You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We react to crisis differently. And one of the things that has happened in our home, and which was sort of like what spurred me to speak about this, was that uh, because of the, the, the sense of isolation and insularity, um, you know, we agreed for my daughter to adopt this dog. My daughter, of course, always been an animal lover. And, you know, uh, my wife is, uh, is allergic to, to cats and dogs, cats more than dogs. And um, as much as we love animals, but now we've, we, we, an animal has entered our life, this, this small dog. Um, and I don't know if she's going to make an appearance. She might come up here uh, during this year and then you'll be able to look at her. Um, a little Pomeranian dog. Uh, 12-year-old Pomeranian, and uh, her name is Dolly, and um, I have to say I've grown very fond of her, and it made me go to re-examine this issue, and I don't know if other people who are in this situation know, you know, are looking. I I do know that they have loosened, because of uh, COVID, they have loosened a lot of the, uh, a lot of the animal hospitals and shelters are trying to make it easier uh, for, to get animals uh, to people. And I thought it was uh, worthwhile to sort of examine uh, this thing from Halacha. And maybe it's a little bit of a break. Um, and maybe it could actually you know, lead to some, some positive if you, if you have a negative view about animals uh, and about a pet holding. Maybe this will uh, give you a little bit of a different perspective. Okay. So um, I, I want to talk about... Um, Let's talk about uh, originally. Uh, let's talk about the original uh, dog-human relationship. Now, scientists have already uh, done, and then we'll talk about pets and, and, and specifically dogs because of their incredible connection to people. Um, and I, I think I think I have a right, uh, even from an animal <laughs> perspective, to to make it to make uh, something distinguished from from owning, let's say, birds or fish or other pets uh, and caging them um, like you do with birds and fish uh, to the relationship that humans have with dogs. Um, now cats are also obviously pets and we'll talk about them a little bit of it in, a, in a different context, but dogs, I think you, you see something uh, incredible uh, in this Chazal. We know the Pusik says that after Cain kills Hevel, God sentences him to years of wandering. And he, even though he actually is pretty, um, sort of like the fugitive, you know, in the, in the old uh, television show, he is pretty productive every place he goes. We talk about the fact that he is, um, because he builds cities, right? He's no longer the Isha Soda but he actually is productive and he moves around the world. He lives an incredibly long time. But Kayan knows that he is considered a murderer. He knows that in some way he was the first person to bring um, aggressive death into this world, you know, uh, uh, the, right? And therefore, Kayan uh, asks God, Kayan says, well, this this is too big for me. And what are you going to do? People are going to kill me, right? So God answers Cain. God says, I, I, I'm going to, he gave Cain an os, the Pusik says. And if you look at the, the Pusik uh, in, in, in full, I'll read it to you, I've got my Hummish right here, and I know you're seeing me at a, uh, at a profile because I'm using a different computer than I usually do. So if you take a look at, at, uh, at what the Hummish says when it speaks to, uh, to Cain, God speaks to Cain after he uh, he kills Hevel. So, um, as we said, Hayisi Nova Nod Boritz, Cain says they're going to kill me. So Hashem said, No, Kohare Cain Shivasayim Yukov. That people will, don't worry, I'm going to take, people will know not to kill you. Um, they will have seven, they will be. Revenge will be taken against them seven times. God gave Cain, he, he placed for him an os 
in order that he wouldn't be killed, the people that would find him. Kayan assumes that people are going to want to kill him. Now, Chazal, the, the Mepharshim say, who's going to kill him? There aren't that many people, are there? Well, again, this gets into the whole discussion about were there other people around when Odom and Chava were there? Gerald Schroeder and others, uh, you might be familiar with this idea that um, there were other types of humans, but Odom and Chava and Cain and Evel represent the greater type of human, but there were other people around. But the, the other Mepharshim who don't go in that sort of speculative fashion say that animals wanted to kill him as well. Remember, the animals were much more sentient than they are today, much more sensing that this was someone. So Cain was worried about being ambushed by animals. You see that also in Parshas Noah, where God tells Noah, don't worry, the animals aren't going to, they aren't going to attack people. Um, they're going to be scared of people. So at this point, you know, when Cain is being the fugitive and is roaming the countryside, uh, the world side, uh, animals are angry at him. They want to kill him. And maybe people want to kill him. So God gives him a protection. Somehow that thing can protect him that he has the mark of Cain. So what is that oath? What is that sign That's the King George, whatever the, uh, the King James translates as the mark of Cain? What is that oath that is on Cain's head that protects him? So let's take a look. Uh, the Medrash Rabbis has a number of opinions here. Let's take a look. Um, Rabbi Huda said that it was almost like his Riachlo Galgo Chama. It's like he had, he was like a, a beacon. It's almost like there was a, uh, there was like, like, like the sun itself would like seem to shine out of his, uh, on him. It's like wherever he went, this, this, what'd you say, she, what'd you say? It wasn't me. Yeah. It, it, it was sort of like the sun was, it, it was like, it was like the sun was shining on him wherever he went. And you sort of knew, ooh, it's like you have in the movies, like, you know, when, you know, when Lahavdul Yashka Pandrik shows up or when Jesus shows up, right? Like you have, the, like, in, in Ben-Hur, like all of a sudden, like, you, you can see, like, you don't see his face, but you see this, this like sound. Always. What are you saying, Sheila? A spotlight. Like a spotlight, yes. Like wherever he went, there was a spotlight of the sun on him. So Nehemiah said to review to come on. <laughs> he was a Russia. He's being punished. Right? So Nehemiah said, you know what it was? He had saras on him. Um, that's what the saras was. And we see that that happened in, in other situations where saras was white. Um, and somehow, but again, according to Nehemiah, how does that protect him? How does having the saras protect him? Rav said, also, uh, Rav says, Kelav Mosrovo. A dog was given to him. A dog was given to Cain. And when the dog was given to Cain, that somehow helps. How does the dog help? So the Ramban quotes this Medrash in his parish of Chumash, and Menachem Kasher quotes this Ramban here, you can see here. Mefarish Ramban, ki mipnei shohoya pochto menachayos. What is he worried about? He's worried about the chayos. So Moserlo, oh, it's going down. So Moserlo, achas mehen. So you're worried about the animals. God is going to give you one of these animals, shetelech lefanov. The animal, the dog is going to lead you. The dog will walk ahead of you. Ulamokim sheyifna hakel veleches, yoda kisham tzivelo Hashem. Wherever the dog goes, that's where you can go. You're not going to get killed there. In other words, I'm going to give you this dog. This was the team up, in the way I'm looking at it, between dogs and humans. Again, this is what a lot of um, uh, um, uh, evolutionary uh, biologists and sociologists are trying to figure out. When did this occur? What happened when these animals that share such a uh, almost a, a very close DNA to wild wolves, when did it happen? Somehow there was like a little break, according to them, right, from the wolf family, and somehow they found this symbiotic relationship with people. 
Now, look what the Medrash is telling us. The Medrash is telling us that 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 here was here was the man, the ultimate, you know, man who was needed of help, who was going out in the world and, and helping to maybe change the world. But there were dangers in the world, and the dog connected to him somehow is able to help him. Now, the Ramban speculates that the way it was is that the dog was sort of like a preternatural dog that God gave this wisdom to know this is safe. This is where you should go. You're not going to be killed by other animals. It's almost like, I guess, the dog knew where the other animals were. Um, Now you see the Ramban's attitude about dogs, though, in general. (laughs) Why did they say it was a dog? Because a dog is, is, is not, a dog is like bazooey. A dog is, 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 is insignificant. A dog is, is less than insignificant. It's like me as I. It's a bazillion. It's like embarrassing. It's like you, because you, Kyan, you deserve to have a dog with you. It's like almost like, again, like, like today you would say he has a cockroach with him, right? Like, like yeah, yeah, that's what you have. Like you have, you have this pet, this, this dog, because, because you're like the dog yourself. But basically, it was with him constantly. That's what it says. Right? Um, uh, Ebenezer, of course, has his own shot. That what it means is is that he gave Kayan courage that he wouldn't be afraid. Um, and. Uh, but we don't know exactly what it was. Anyway, what's interesting here for me, this Medrash and the Ramban's explanation of the Medrash sort of tells you that there is a special bond between dogs and people. And it goes back to the very beginning of human history, as far as we're concerned. And does, but again, obviously you see from the Ramban's language that this is something quite negative. Um, on that note, the uh, let's take a look at a couple of Gemaras here. People have been uh, raising people have been raising dogs. In Shulchan Aruch, the Gemara speaks about it, the, and the Shulchan Aruch codifies it. Let's see. What does the Gemara say? And the Shulchan Aruch quotes, Okay. So the Gemara mentions this because the Gemara talks, in uh, Baba Kama, it speaks about the aggressive and violent things that can happen when an animal connects with people, if the owner is not really in charge, owner is not really there. And of course, that is what the Torah speaks about of Karen, that there could be the goring that the animal, the animal gores and, and, and hurts people. But it's not only the ox. It could even be other animals. And the Gemara speaks about a case where let's say you have, you know, um, let's say you have Yeshua and Kolev and Ephraim. So Yeshua uh, does not like Kalev. Ephraim has a dog. So Yeshua gets Ephraim's dog to attack Kalev and bite him. How does he do it? That's called being Mishasa. Mishasa means, even though the dog, you know, it's called the dog Rover, even though Rover was sort of, you know, not so uh, concerned, Rover wasn't a violent dog, but Yeshua knows how to get Rover mad. Yeshua knows how to somehow get Rover angry. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's what people know. People know how to do that. People know how to get dogs and sort of get them from being just sitting there docile watching to get them to be aggressive. Right? So that's what he does, Yeshua. Yeshua gets Rover to become aggressive on Kalev and start attacking him. So, Yeshua's potter. Because basically, Rover's not his dog. 
He got Rover angry, but then Rover did the rest. Right? Now, the Gemara says he's tied with the Neshamaya, which means, oh, come on, if you want to do tshuva, you know, look, we can't get you in Besden, but we know what you did, and we know that you're the Goray, and you were Goray in this attack, and therefore you should pay. Yeshua wants to do tshuva, he has to pay. But what, who does, what is Kolev's, <laughs> Kolev and the Kelev here, what is Kolev going to be able to do? So Kolev can actually take a Ephraim to din. Why? Because you, Ephraim should have been watching Rover. You shouldn't be doing that. You should have actually, you shouldn't have allowed that to happen. In other words, the same way you've got to watch your your shore from goring, even though it's it's a strange thing, right? You don't expect it to gore, but we want you to be extra careful. You've got to realize you've got a dog out there. Why do you have a dog there? We'll see in a minute whether it was correct for you to have a dog or not. But he has a dog. We're not talking about Ephraim's right to have the dog. We're talking about Ephraim has to understand dog's potential. The dog's potential makes it uh, Karen, which means that even though you need something unusual needs to occur, because Rover usually doesn't attack, but Rover can be uh, uh, influenced by attacking. Therefore, uh, Ephraim is not off the hook. Ephraim actually has to pay Chatzinezek like any ox that gored. Um, let's say it happens that Yoshua. Uh, it starts going into uh, goes to Rover and gets Rover so angry that that Rover bites Yoshua, then Ephraim's Potter, because that's already weird. In other words, to get the animal so angry that he's going to attack you, you know that would be strange. They're your Potter. But anyway, what do you see from here? You see from here that Chazal understood even a docile animal like Rover has this potential to be an attacker. So, and that's the reason why uh, Ephraim has to pay. Now, based on that, we have the Mishnah, which I've been teaching uh, in one of my other classes, that says, Lo that it's usur to raise a dog. Ela imkein Okay, so it sounds like the only dogs that are allowed are dogs that are on chains. The dogs have to be on chains. Now, now the dog is on a chain. How does he, what does he do, right? What's this idea that he's always on the chain? So we're going to see the Gemara says what that means. From a brisa. Tana Rabbanan. It's just like the Mishnah. If you're in a city that needs protection, what do you do? You're allowed to have those animals. But you can let the animal go loose at night. Now, why are you doing that? Because who's running around at night? The Chablanim are coming into the city. This is a city that needs protection from the non-Jews, that needs protection from the enemies across the border. So during the day, the dog is, is not supposed to be loose. The dog is in your yard with a metal visible chain that, that protects people. See what it protects them from. But in those cities, you can actually let the dogs run wild at night because then they're going to, they'll, they'll come back because the dogs know to come back home. But they are allowed to patrol the grounds, the grounds of your home, and maybe even in the streets because they are helping the city. Um, Rebeliezer Agodel Omer, 
that's Rebbe Zeb Horkinus says, HaMegadol Klovim Kemegadol Chazirim. You're as bad as someone who grows pigs. And what does that mean, that you grow pigs? L'meikam le'ba'orur, that you're considered cursed for, for, for raising dogs. Okay. The Gemara right after that says, Dorosh Rabdustoi Deminbiri. The Pasuk says, Ubenucha Yomar, when the, when the Oron came to rest, it said, Shuva Hashem Revavos Alpha Yisrael. God, you've come to a stop, so to speak, with the, with the, tw- the thousands, the ten thousands of Israel. Here you are among us. What does that teach you? That 22,000 people, that's your city. That's your city of Jews where you get this level called Hashros Hashrina. What would be, it would be 21,999. So Rabbi Dostoy went on and he was trying to give a shear about dogs. And he said, there's numbers and those numbers are crucial, he said. Let's say you oh, you have a woman who's going to have a baby, and soon we'll have the magic number. We'll have the right amount of people that the Shechina is here with us. And imagine, he says, a dog barks and out of fear, the woman miscarries. What's going to happen? The Shechina is going to leave us. That was Rav Dostoy's point. So Rav Dostoy was trying to make the point that, and what you see from Rav Dostoy, what's behind the Takona, the Rabbanan head of not raising dogs. They didn't want people to raise dogs, even though we saw from Cain and Hevel, Kayan and the dog, how close the relationship was. We know that they're there. We know that they, that it's part of the part of the landscape of dogs and people. But they want to legislate against it in our Jewish areas because every person is important, and the dog, because of his what, his barking, because of his barking. Because the bark indicates a bite. And he scares people. Now, we're going to see that what does the chain help? The chain helps, as the, the one of the Rishonim explains in Vavakama right here, you'll see, the chain helps because the chain is visible and you're not scared. In other words, it's not like I was, you might have thought, the bark came out of nowhere. The bark out of nowhere wasn't the issue. It's not the bark that comes out of nowhere. It's the fact that the bark is indicating of the bite that's going to happen afterwards. If there's a chain, then nobody is scared. So Again, how long does the chain have to be? We'll talk about that in a different time, soon. But the dogs can be raised. You can have dogs, and more than one, it sounds like. If they're chained, and their chains are visible. If they are not chained, even though they don't bite, as you're going to see from the next story, we are worried about miscarriages and other things that can happen from fear. It isn't just this is uh, a legislation that was made for pregnant women because pregnant women abound in our society. That was the one that was the most obvious. But there could be others as well. There are, 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 are children. There are people that are, that are timid. There are people that just have some sort of situation that occurred to them. Many people, as we're going to see, I don't know if we're going to get time to it, but there's actually a number of interesting chuvas here about people post the Holocaust and everything where uh, there was a lot of um, fear of dogs based on the way the Nazis had uh, used dogs in the concentration camps. So there were people who carried 
uh, traumatic fear of dogs with them their whole life. But even before those terrors uh, were unleashed on the world, uh, the, the peculiar cruelty of the Nazis, there are people, and it's not, no one blames anyone for being scared that a dog is going to bite you and what fear can do to a person. The most, obviously, the most fragile is a woman carrying a baby, but it could happen to anybody. And therefore, therefore, um, as you're going to see in the story, we said that dogs, obvious metal chain that he can't break. And the Gemara brings a story that typifies it. There was a woman and she's coming because why is she coming? And again, part of one of the issues here is, and you're going to see here from this story, is that you can't say, what are you doing in my house? One of the things which I think halacha might need to be a little bit put into a different perspective halachically is that we don't have open homes like we used to. It used to be communities were much more open. Uh, the Gemara says that one of the reasons why tsaras occurs on the house of, uh, of, a, uh, of a person is because he refused to open his house and lend stuff. And therefore, when he, he, needs, to, he needs to be pwned the bias from Kalim because this way people will see, look at this cheapskate, look at this guy who didn't lend stuff. Today, we look at people who lend their items and open their houses to people as being unusual or much more especially during Corona, but even before that. In the time of Chazav, it wasn't that way. Homes were much more open. There weren't locks everywhere. And, and, and people would enter your house. You lived in a small community. You never knew who was going to be coming into your house. So here was a woman who was coming into a house. Maybe the woman of the house said, yeah, come over. I've got a big oven. Okay. The master of the house, the dad of the house, had a dog. She goes in to bake in that house. And what happened? The dog starts barking at her. So the owner said, well, to stop him, don't be scared of him. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of that dog. We took his teeth out. We took his canines out, Rashi says. We took out those long canines. You don't got them anymore. Um, the uh, the Shita's gears seem to be, um, even if they took his they took his claws off. I'm not sure how they will be able to do that. But even if they declawed him, declawed him and defanged him, she said, "Shakili chazirai." She says, "You know, take your you did me a favor, throw it on the thorns." In other words, hey, you didn't do me any favors. Why? I already see that something's happening. I already see that um, I'm not the same. I already see that the baby has started to move and it looks like the miscarriage is about to happen. So from here you see how from this story, which became sort of a metaphor, uh, like a, a marshal, everybody kept saying, say it over, of how these things can happen. Even a dog, just the bark, a bark where there was no bite, but she didn't know that. So the shalshelis is what's supposed to protect that. Okay? Um, now. However, we do see in the Gemara that in certain situations, in dangerous situations, we want dogs around, despite what they might do, and we feel that um, having them can protect cities that are particularly vulnerable. The Meiri, who uh, writes on, uh, who gives you uh, the commentary of uh, on the Gemara, who gives you the, a, it's not really a, again, we'll talk about the Meiri a different time. Well, you know what the Meiri, he restates uh, the Gemara. So he says, yes, Certain cities, you are allowed to let the dogs have the dogs uh, and allowing them to actually be loose at night. But he says, even in those places, you ought to be careful about them because you never know what they could do. Don't be sure, Mary says, because 
the exceptional dog will get out there and what are you supposed to do afterwards? So you see, even where there was the heter, the Meiri, like, again, the Ramban says they're just disgusting beasts. The Meiri says, is telling us that you've got to still be careful, even if you follow the safeguards of Chazal. Now, the Gemara and Shabbos doesn't just talk about a Kelev, the Gemara and Shabbos uses another term. The Gemara Shabbos is quoting Rav Shimon ben Lakish and uses this term. Now, this is a Kelev Ra. Okay. Kelev Ra. doesn't say Kelev generally. A bad dog. Alright. Now, why? If you have a bad dog, your house can't be a house of chesed. So Rashi explains, because as soon as someone comes to the door, the dog doesn't allow the person in. Either the ani is scared, the dog is barking, the person runs away, doesn't want to go to that house. Shimon ben Lukash used the Pusik and Eov to sort of like back this up. Which literally means to, to deny from your friend chesed, but in, 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 uh, in slang, in Greek slang, they used to call dogs lomos. <laughs> Not sure you have to know Greek a little bit, but that was what Shimon and Lokish said. And again, that was still a language that was prevalent in Eretz Yisrael in that time. People still spoke a form of Greek. Lomos mereyu chesed. In other words, dogs, stop from you giving chesed to people who should be your friends. Why? Like Rashi says. Nachem Bar Yitzchak, again, echoing the Ramban's attitude that we see hundreds of years later, says, and you know what? Having the dog there, Lamas, what does the end of that Pesach say? V'yiras shakai, v'yiras shadayazov. You're porik mimenu yiras Hmm. So now we have this other idea of having dogs as sort of like, um, it takes your shamayim from you as well. It's like, and again, you'd have to sort of speculate. Um, how do you, how, you don't fear God? What, what did he mean? Is it because you're not letting the honey in? Or it's because perhaps you are giving such significance to your dog over people? But it sounds like, there's 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 an ethical issue other than or, 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 or a religious issue other than the fact that these are scary beings that scare people and you don't, you don't seem to care enough about your neighbors and you don't care about you don't want to do tzedakah. It is sounds it po- like yes, Sheila. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wonder: is it possible that it lessens the yirushimayim of the potential of the people who are scared by it? Because they become scared of the dog rather than yirushimayim. <laughs> Sheila, you're. You should be giving shiurim shiur. It's a cute shot, but, 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 and you do give shiurim. So I, I, park me menu from him. In other words, because it's lamas meireyu chosed. You are denying chesed from your friend when you have this lamas, when you have this dog, and and you are, and you are getting your shamayim off of you. Um, I'll tell you what I think it means. Um. I think it means that when you have this dog, and again, this is really the, the, the you walk the line. On one end, you say, I need the dog because I got hooligans out in the street, right? I got people out there. I got people I got to protect my, what are you showing? You're showing that money means more to you than people. Like the protection of your house means more to you. Right, less than hachnas esorchim. Right, and it also means what happens, and this is what we're going to see from Ryakov Emden, that he felt would occur, is that you get caught up in your dog. In other words, you get caught up in your dog and not people. And it's almost like, it's almost like, it's like me and my dog. And like, you know, yeah, this is my dog. And, and what that happens is... is world, in a sense. What? It sort of becomes your world. 
yeah, to the point of, yeah, of everyone else doesn't matter. And, and God doesn't matter either, right? So because, you know, this is, it's the amount of time you're spending with your dog, the fact that you, you give your dog a greater significance than people. Well, everybody knows here, Leon, I think you're still here, but, yeah. but you remember the Central Park story, right? Remember the send, the people say that was sort of the, um, the spur to the, you know, like the New York version of the George Floyd event, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <clears throat> the, the supposed liberal woman in Central Park that, you know, um, she got really, again, here she was having a, a, a reaction with a human being who was just asking her to put the dog on a leash, right? And, 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 and the altercation occurred, especially when she thought, this guy's threatening my dog. So I think you do have. I think. I think. No, I think in that case she was. She felt threatened by the person, not the dog. I mean, she no, wasn't. No, she, she had the dog, Leon. She had the dog, and the yep. person, the bird watcher, said, "Look, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to. I have dog treats with me, so I'm going to. I'm going to. You know, you don't want to. I'm going to give the dog these dog treats." And that's going to be able to, I guess, somehow get you to leash the dog. And when, when, when the person made the move towards the dog, she's going to call the cops on the person. I so, thought that was because she felt threatened by the person, not that it wasn't about the dog being threatened by the person. Okay, but what was, what, what, what was the guy saying he was going to do? He said, I'm going to give your dog treats. <laughs> I, I I didn't hear the beginning of that video. You know, it didn't really matter to me because obviously her reaction was pretty pathetic. Yeah, but I think part of it was who's more important to her, the dog or the person? The dog, right? <laughs> he wasn't a threatening guy. He wasn't a threatening guy. The guy had binoculars on. He wants to look at birds, right? So I think that's part of what you see here from Rav Nachman in terms of allowing your selfishness to be centered in this dog and, and the dog's needs. And what happens now, right? Mark probably has a, I'm glad you're here, Mark, because we're talking here about the, the Central Park um, woman there with her dog. And uh, we're talking about Rav Nachenbar. You can see it here on the, on the screen. Rav Nachenbar Yitzchak says that that keeping dogs takes away Yerushalayim from you. And, and I'm trying to maybe use that story as somewhat of a, uh, of a metaphor, of, of, of maybe how you can see her, how she elevated, uh, you know, her, her connection to the dog over what was going on with her responsibility to other human beings to share the space. But, but the question, Rabbi, in that case, <clears throat> I think is, I mean, you're, you're right, I think, in that, <clears throat> yeah, she's, she's considered the dog more important than anything else. But if the person who had approached her was of a, uh, had a different color skin than the African-American man that did approach her, would she then threaten to call the police? Yeah, I, I actually think that, again, with, again, we didn't want to make this year all about uh, current events. But I think that what made her so devious in this case you know, is that she wasn't scared of him because he was an African-American, but she knew the police would respond if she used those words, an African-American man is here. Because he clearly was not a threat. Um, and I think that's why this story is so terrible. But again, it's not about, it, it definitely shows that even a liberal who was a, uh, was a maybe she... Um, contributed to great causes and that she was someone from, you know, she, she, you would never consider her uh, make America great woman. Still, you can see how the strain of what they, what, what, endemic racism was, that, that was the way the story was presented. But there was another aspect there, which of course I think is the dog story, which is the fact that, you know, the dog is, is more important than the person. Anyway. Um, okay. So that's Chazal telling us that. But if we take a look at the, um, if we take a look at the, um, 
this is the Rabbi Shua Boaz, who wrote uh, um, a quite early commentary, a very important commentary on uh, on the Rif, uh, uh, and he quoting on this Gemara, he says, "Pomim Rabos Tamati Klovin." I see, and he was an Italian, I believe, but. We are, we are raising dogs. The Gemara says not to do it. And we're raising dogs. We're not keeping them on these metal chains. We, all, we do have our homes and our dogs are loose and we've got them. How did that happen, he says? How did it happen that the Jewish people were raising dogs? He says, it seems like they shouldn't be doing it. And yet, now, and I, I doing a little research on this, it seems that even... Okay. I hope we're going to be okay here with the internet connection. I hope so. Um, doing the research, we found out that there's actually, um, uh, that it was not just in, in, in the uh, uh, 15th century that this became prominent in the 16th century, but we could trace it back to even the time of the Rishonim, the times of the Baliatosos, that uh, from actually a student of Rabbeinu Tam who mentions the idea of of having dogs. The Gemara says that, again, we can maybe make a, 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 we can make a whole series about this. And I know we have some dog lovers here and maybe they'd like to have a series about it because I think they, they would find it interesting. But the Gemara talks about how a widow, the Gemara Nivamas speaks about how a widow should not raise dogs. A widow shouldn't raise dogs because the Gemara says people are going to talk about her. They're going to say that she's lonely for sexual gratification, and she, like Xavier, Xavier Hollander, is, 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 is having relations with her dog. And we'll talk about that, Takana. It's a very interesting one, <laughs> uh, very juicy. But the, one of the Baliatesis brings a proof from that Gemara that it was only it was only widows who were worried about it, but they, but it was. It's not uncommon, and it's not wrong, despite all these gemaras to raise dogs. So, what might be the difference? So, um, I'm going to show you two answers. Rishua Boaz says, "You know what the answer is? You know why we've been raising dogs among the Jews? Is because we're like the gemaras. The, the Bryce and the gemaras spoke about cities." On, on the edge, cities that needed protection from nighttime marauders from people from other countries. But we, he says, he says, they at least were lucky that during the day those marauders weren't coming in. Va'anan, but now that we're living in Europe and we're living here among Christians and others who hate us, Shadoran Benayam. It's not like we've got our country and the marauders are going to come in from Lebanon or Syria or wherever they're coming from to attack us. We live among the non-Jews. The non-Jews hate us. They hate us for our, whatever reasons they do. I feel beyond. We need to have the dogs out even the day and we need to have the dogs not on chains because we're like what it was in Israel when you were on the border city and were afraid of being attacked. That was the sort of uh, this reason why we are allowing it to Because we need to have dogs. Why? Because there's a certain um, inherent fear that the dogs put into people. And, you know, they will protect our property and protect us. Just like Cain knew, right? Just like we saw from Cain, right? The dog protects Cain. The dog will fight for the death for his owner. And we need it living among the non-Jews today. And that's the reason why Jews have started to join in and raise the dogs and not necessarily keep them on these chains. But And despite the fact that there obviously was this other factor of their barking and, and people maybe miscarrying and people getting heart attacks from fear, but the, the, the communities assumed there was this overriding need to have these dogs. Okay. Now, um, all right. The, um, 
I'm going to run out of time over here. I know because we've already we've already uh, gone uh, quite a bit. Um, but I do want to I do want to do it within an hour. So we have about another 15 minutes. So um, we're, we're just doggedly discussing this. Yes, Mark. Um, and uh, did you? I hope you appreciated my pun about the petty pettiness and psak. Um the uh, how people got that that I wasn't uh, how people got that I put quotation marks and I spelled petty with a y so I hope everybody yeah. got that that was, that was a good one what okay it was a grown worthy pun as they say. don't get rough with me about it alright <laughs> don't get rough and, you'd be uh, barking up the wrong tree Yes, yes. You're barking at the wrong tree if you think that I was trying to imply anything. Um, okay. So uh, that's one approach. The other approach was Rav Luria's approach. Rav Luria said that all the, the Mishnayas that said it was Usr was talking about a, a Kelevra that and not, a, not every Kelev is a Kelevra. Now, again, I, I happen to have taken a recent a trip, and I told Mark about it, uh, to a, um, a shelter that was full of pits, pits meaning pit bulls, that had all been given up by their owners. And, you know, I, I walked in there, me and Bachi walked into the back of the shelter, and it was, it was full of about, you know, 30 barking pit bulls. And most people say, that's your bad dog. And, of course, the pit owners say there's no bad dogs, there's bad owners. You know, the pits can be really loving and, and really nice. But but there definitely did arise this idea of a dog that that was easier to train to become aggressive and, and, and angry. And um, the marshal says maybe that's what the Gemara is talking about. But a, uh, a Kelev that's, that's not Ra, that doesn't just bark at everybody and doesn't bite, that's friendly, he says... There, the Isra of the Gemara doesn't apply. Um, and because it, you, you're, it doesn't seem right that if you have a friendly dog that you have to tie it up, is ain't as far no senas klal that based on the Gemara that you have to actually keep that dog tied during, you know, tied up all the time, especially since he's essentially a house dog. And he says, he says, so therefore, um, uh, clearly, if, if he is on a, 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 that would be, he says, he thinks the reason why people are having dogs today, because the dogs are considered good dogs. But then the marshal says that explains why the minag occurred. In other words, let me explain it better. If a minag happens, the rabbis just don't let it happen. The rabbis who run the communities, who know what's going on and know these Gemaras, how could they let it happen? So Rabbi Shua says they let it happen because they realized we live in danger now and we're like those communities on the border. The Marshal says the reason why the rabbis of previous generations allowed this to become the Ashkenazic custom to sort of have these dogs and have them around is because they understood the Gemara was only speaking about a dog that barks consistently, like the story, the dark, the, the dog that barked at the baker lady, but there are dogs that aren't like that. And that's the reason why it was those dogs, and maybe there are certain types of breeds, like collies or other things, that, that, that are those type of dogs, those were the dogs that Jews have started to raise and ne- haven't necessarily used the type of strictures that the rabbis say about them. But the marshal says, even though that justifies why it's occurring, he says, it's not a true, whatever they said was probably not right. Because every stam dog, every regular dog, Every little, every dog barks when they don't know someone. Even the friends, supposedly friendly ones, if someone comes by. And therefore, the marshal says that he believes 
that every dog is really towards anyone who's not its owner. Unless the owner gives, and remember, we're talking about open homes and people being around. He says, those are called kelevra, even though they don't bite. Therefore, he says, look, I can't uh, force halacha, but kol ish diorishamayim lo yigadal kelev. The only types of dogs you could raise would be kelev kufriyim. Those are the dogs you could raise. Why? Shemishunim bitsurosam. They are different. Now, they don't quote here the Rashi. I want to uh, take a, I want to show you what are these Kloven Kufriyim that we're talking about? So, um, where I'm going to show you this is, let's see, from the Rashi in Bobakama that I was doing earlier today with my group. So let me show you this Rashi. Um, and I want to show you this Rashi. How to find it. Cool. See how much stuff I'm sending out all the time. Here we go. My fundamentals class, we have some people here from it that are gonna are gonna find this page familiar looking. I just want to show you the Rashi. So if you take a look here, the Gemara quotes the great Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Megadlin Klovim Kufrian. You can you are allowed to raise, that's not part of Takana. He said these dogs are called Kufri dogs. What are Kufri dogs? So Rashi says, Ktanim Vinanosim. Hey. Now I told Bachi, you know, maybe Dolly's gonna show up here and you can see what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Mark knows what I'm talking about. We're talking about dogs that are not just chihuahuas, but uh, you have these, um, um, what's, what's the small terrier, um, the real small one? Smaller Wait, than the Jack. Westie, a Westland terrier? Yeah, the, the Westie terrier, the Jack Russell is a little small. Um, the ones that are called toy dogs, right? Tanavin Anosame. That's Kufriyim. Okay, Lishnachrina, Rashi quotes, Klovim Gedolim, Shel Sayodim, Ve'ein Mazikim. Now, that's interesting. Now, we can have a whole sheer about whether people should hunt or not. But, um, should people hunt or not? But dogs, that if you are hunting for food, you're hunting to, to, to catch the animals that you're going to eat. Those hunting dogs, Rashi says, aren't, they don't bark in the same way. I don't know if this is true, but I would say the first shot is you have these small dogs, right? So you have these small toys that even though they bark, and some of them bark up a storm, Dolly barks up a storm whenever she hears the, uh, the the doorbell ring. But nobody's scared of her. No pregnant woman is going to walk in and say, I'm scared of this little Pomeranian, right? <laughs> right? It's not the bark. And the bark, first of all, is, is, is a soprano. The bark is a soprano. And the, and the dog, right? So, and Dolly had her teeth removed anyway. Uh, the, the vets removed her teeth. So it would seem that according to Rabbi Shmuel, you're definitely safe with these small dogs and these, um, and these, um, uh, these, these hunting dogs that I guess they aren't guard dogs, but they are like perfectly trained, like sort of like, I guess the, um, you know, um, and babe, like the, uh, <laughs> the uh, what was the Australian sheephound, right? That you know, although I don't think it was a hunting dog, or or maybe you know, they they only bark at the prey; they don't bark at people at all. So 
Those are the dogs the Marshal was talking about. And the Marshal explained why. Because he says they look different. And, and they're all the noy bias. So again, they're either meant to, they're either meant to hunt with or they're meant to do what? To just be around the house. To be around the house. Um, so, now, but a regular dog, unlike those dogs, he says a person who's really religious shouldn't have them, even though it's not a biter. Because the potential for barking is there, the fear is there of other people. But he says, look what he says here, the marshal. Al hanach lechem hanach Israel. He says, look, I'm not going to stop them. Hanach Israel is another way of saying, let them do it. They're not going to listen anyway. The end of the statement is, Hanach Yisrael mutav shiim shogagim va'al tiem azidim. Better they should be, they should do it not knowing that it's wrong. I'm not going to try to stop them because I can't stop them anyway. But he says, Ashrei mishan izhar, the tovel of brocha. If you could, you should, and not join the dog owners in that way. And um, as the, um, right, as the, uh, the Alter Rebbe writes as well, in his Shulchan Aruch, he also quotes this marshal, and he also says, again, even though people do raise dogs, he says, a Yori Shamayim should be careful, and uh, if he does need a dog, the dog should be, in a certain way, cruelly, or, you know, tied up, until people are going to sleep. Because you don't want the dog to surprise people. But that, of course, is a way that most people don't want to raise their dogs. Now, um, we've really just dealt with the issue of dog ownership. I want to do one last thing here. And I know I'm running out of time. I just want to do one last thing um, from Rabbi Yaakov Emden. And I've got it right here for you. Find it for you, the Yivitz. Yaakov Emden, um, was asked about the halacha of feeding dogs. Um, Uh, feeding dogs before yourself. In other words, do you need, if you sit down for lunch, I actually try to be mockbit on this. My daughter says, um, Dad, no table scraps. But the dog, of course, was used to having a different owner before me and is very used to begging at the table. So the question that was asked of Yaakov Emden was, if you have, happen to have dogs, do you need to feed them before you yourself eat? The Gemara Baruchah says, based on the Pasuk and Kriyashma, that you are supposed to uh, first feed your animals and then take care of yourself. So Rabbi Gadden goes through uh, the tshuva. We'll talk about it more at a different time. But he basically goes into the halacha of what does it mean to feed your animals first and what is it based on. And he talks about the idea of how it might not apply to cats and dogs who can find food on their own. But then he, he, he decides to upbraid his questioner. And he says, you know, but I'll tell you one thing that bothers me. He says, you know, it sounds like you have a bunch of dogs. And I, I'm not happy about this, he says. Um, he says, first of all, I'm wondering if the halacha will be different if you have a farm. If you have a farm that you're guarding, it's definitely different. If you are worried about, uh, right. And, and again, I, I think, Sheila, the fact that people live differently the way they do now. As I said before, people lived in a way that it was, that, that people visited you all the time, etc. cetera. Um, so first of all, Rabbi Yaakov then says, 
We don't say if you have a hunting dog or a, or, 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 or a toy dog. Who says we pass on Rav Yishmol? It's only his opinion. That's one thing that he says. And he says even those little dogs and even those hunting dogs, you could still have something bad happen. He says, He says, and even Rabbi Yishmol only probably would allow one dog. One dog. But um, but to have, to have to raise a bunch of dogs, and we we saw today, Sheila, the, the, we let the Gerd Sedek, who inherited a bunch of dogs, keep them till he sells them. But to go get a bunch of dogs, you shouldn't do that. So you see that you shouldn't have a bunch of dogs. Now, some people say the reason Rav Yaakov he writes this at the end of the 18th century, the mid 18th century, that they have dogs because their wife needs somebody. They're out working in the field. They're out at the business. The wife needs company. He says, no, you want your wife to go out? You want your wife to, to be hanging out with dogs? Again, you got to be worried about the Gemara was worried about. Right. Um, and he said also, um, you know, even that Almon is only has it because she doesn't have anybody. She needs someone to, to guard. But what do you need to have uh, a dog that your wife has company? He says, what is it really about? He said, you're worried about Shishua, to have a pet to play with? He says, you don't want to play with the animals, he says. It's even worse. Even one dog. And it says, especially those dogs that just like to, that are meant just to play with. Now, like you said, Sheila, if you have a lot of houses, you have other things to guard, you have a bunch of dogs for each one. However, he says, he says, what he really doesn't feel is right is those dogs, chalakim varumim, those dogs that are, they don't have fur and they almost, they're almost like naked. Now, I think, does he talking about these, they have these greyhounds that look like that, right? I don't know if he's talking about chihuahuas. I don't think so. I think he's talking about these specialty dogs, these expensive specialty dogs that in the 18th century where he was living in Germany, people would get these type of dogs and it was considered a status symbol and to run around and play with them. And he said, it's, he says, it's Moshe of Leitzim. Also a Sachakimoya. <laughs> he says, it's what the non-Jews are doing. So this was a reaction. Again, you didn't see this in, in, in the other Svarim. You didn't see this from the Marshal. But as Rav Yaakov Emden living in the, sort of as the Enlightenment was starting to, was starting to burst through, he had this reaction of Jews suddenly with more money, suddenly with more time on their hands, and getting these, right? He felt that it was. He felt that it was. It was. It was. It was. It was not only modeling themselves after the goyim. It wasn't so much bechukoseya. It's. 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 It's like, what is that about? The the dogs that were becoming popular as specialty breeds in the 18th century was because people had more money, and you had these rich matrons who would have these dogs with them. He says that's lifestyle was what he was reacting to. And therefore he felt that, um, that there was the, um, uh, there was an issue. Rav Menachem Slay, who's a very, uh, I, I believe a very prescient rabbi says he thinks that another thing Rabbi Yaakov was worried about was the money that it would cost to, to invest in these animals, right? You go out and buy, you don't need them. So you're buying them, as he says here, now, I was thinking about this myself. And again, Mark, you can chime in on this. They're expensive. I mean, we took Dolly. We got her for free because, the, because of COVID, because the, the hospital didn't make us pay. But we've taken her a couple of times already. And, you know, <laughs> you got to get an insurance plan, right? <laughs> Besides the food and the collars and, and everything. So 
part of what Rabbi Yaakov Endlin was worried about was the fact, look, you know, you need, Jews don't have Parnassa, and now you're adding to that? So this is uh, part one <laughs> of where we're holding here. I, I want to deal with issues of maybe how this has changed. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.